Lord, we do just thank you for the songs that we were able to sing here this morning, Lord. Uh, we do think of dwelling in Beulah land and what a uh, wonderful truth that has in it. Lord, I do pray that we would be uh, feasting upon manna uh, that you supply and drinking on uh, uh, from the fountain uh, that never shall run dry. And Lord, we, we just praise you for who you are and the provisions that you give to us. And Lord, uh, we would just pray that we would also seek your guidance, that you would guide us for truly you are uh, great Jehovah. And Lord, the same God that was for Israel, you are the God for us today. And Lord, we uh, praise you that you are unchanging. And Lord, we would just pray today that your promise would hold true, that your word would not return void. Lord, we thank you for that promise. We pray this would be to your will, not ours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, today we're going to be continuing looking at Exodus. And we come to Exodus chapter 16 today. And we're going to be looking at manna, and manna is the bread that God provided for Israel. And so we're going to be looking at uh, the provisions, God's provisions. But it was the, the bread that God provided for Israel in the wilderness. And, and what does manna mean? Well, it means, what is this? What is this? And as we pick up the narrative uh, of Israel, has been wandering in the wilderness for about a month. And then they pick up a complaint. They pick up a complaint, but I want us to remember that idea of what manna means. It means, what is this? As they're going through and they're looking at all this stuff, and they say, they, they say this, what is this? And it's just kind of an interesting idea, but let's, let's open our Bibles to Exodus chapter 16, and I'm going to read a little bit of a longer narrative here this morning. We're going to go through verses 1 through 31 of Exodus chapter 16, and so if you'd follow along here, buckle up for the long journey here, uh, but Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 through 31. And it says this. And they journeyed from Elam, uh, all, uh, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between uh, Elam and Sinai. And on the 15th day of the second month, after they departed from the land of Egypt, then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died at the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out to the wilderness to kill uh, this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Then Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, At the evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaints against the Lord. But what are we that you complain against us? So Moses said, This shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and in the morning bread to the full, for the Lord hears your complaints, which you make against him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses spoke to Aaron, say to all the congregation of the children of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. Now, if I can, uh, if it came, now it came to pass, as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation, of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. 
And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And so it was that quail came up at the evening, and it covered the camp in the morning, and the dew lay around the camp. And when the layer of the dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance, as fine as frost on the ground. And so the children of Israel saw it, and they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded, Let every man gather it according to each one's need, and one omer for each person according to the number of persons. Let every man take for those who are in his tent. Then the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. So when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. And Moses said, Let no one leave any of it till morning, notwithstanding that they did not heed Moses, but some of them left part of it until morning, and it bred worms, and it stank. And Moses was angry with them. Then they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need. And when the sun came hot, it melted. And so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. And the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses and said unto them, uh, This is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is the Sabbath. Rest a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today, and boil what you will boil, and lay it up for yourselves, all that remains to be kept until morning. So they laid it up until morning, and Moses commanded, and it did not stink, nor were there any worms in it. And then Moses said, Eat that today, for today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today you shall not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, and in the seventh, the Sabbath, there will be none. Now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord has given you Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day, and the house of Israel called its name manna. And it was like white coriander seed, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. We see, first of all, here, Israel, they start off with complaints. Now, this is kind of an interesting thing when you think about this, because like I said here, this has been about a month since Exodus chapter 15, where we, we left off in the narrative. And what was going on in the narrative here last week that we looked at in Exodus chapter 15? Well, they, they were complaining, right? They, they had a complaint. They said, oh, there is no water. Oh, Moses, you, you brought us out of Egypt to die of thirst. It would have been better if we would have died in Egypt to been there, right? It would have been just so much better if we would have just been in Egypt and stayed there. And if we would have stayed into the bondage, because at least we had water. And then what happened? Well, God healed the water. God healed the water for them. And they had water to drink. And he said this was a test. Well, today we're going to be looking at another test. But before we get to the test here, we see once again Israel complaining. Now, it, it just amazes me. 
They, they, they've just seen all these amazing things that God has done in Egypt. They, they, they see the great crossing of the Red Sea. They see how God heals the water, and now they go, we're going to die. We don't have any food. Moses! But isn't that exactly how we act? Isn't this just something that, that is right there for us as soon as the slightest difficulty comes up? We find places to complain instead of dependence upon God. It's so easy to find a place of complaining. But this is exactly what Israel did. And I want us to remember that because it's something similar that happens in our life that, that we tend to complain also. But, but first of all, I want us to notice who they thought they were complaining against. They, they thought they were complaining against Moses and Aaron. Right? They said their complaints rose up against Moses and Aaron. Oh, Moses, it's your fault. Aaron, it's your fault. This was wrong. They thought they were complaining against earthly leaders, but in reality, they were complaining against God. But what was their complaint? Well, first of all, their complaint, it was rooted in earthly circumstances. It was rooted in earthly circumstances. What were they saying? We have no food. It would be better for us to be in Egypt where we had pots of meat and we had all the bread that we could possibly eat. It would be better that we were in Egypt than we're out here in the wilderness. Though we're free from the tyranny of the Egyptians, it would be better that we would be there. What were they saying? The grass is greener over in Egypt. Life is difficult Oh, woe is me. They're complaining about earthly circumstances. But I also want us to notice here, it wasn't just merely a complaint against earthly circumstances, but it was actually rooted in a lack of faith. It was rooted in a lack of faith. They took their eyes off of God and they started looking at their circumstances. And isn't that something that is so easy to do for us to go and to take our eyes off of God, who he is, what he has done for us, the things that he has brought us through, and to start looking at the circumstances. And you know, when we start gazing at the circumstances, instead of keeping our eyes on the faithful character of God, what happens? We naturally complain. Because here is a secret of life, okay? Buckle up for this one. Life is difficult. There are trials in life. In fact, I personally believe there are three positions that you can be in in life. One, in the midst of a trial. Two, just exiting a trial. Or three, about to enter a trial. Because that is the process of life. It's one trial, right after another trial, right after another trial. Some trials are there specifically to, to work righteousness in us. Some trials are there and we have the opportunity to have righteousness and character and patience and different things to work in us. But make no mistake, you're always going to be in trials. Some bigger trials, some smaller trials, some shorter trials, <clears throat> excuse me, some longer trials. But we're always either in the middle of a trial, exiting a trial, or entering a trial. That's where we are. Life is difficult. You know, it's, it, it's really unfair because in, in today's day and age, we, we like to hide this fact. And we like to pretend this fact doesn't exist. We like to go and say that, that, that life should be easy. In fact, we've gone and we've trained generation after generation here, probably two, maybe three generations. I think at least Generation X was started this way. Maybe even baby boomers here compared, compared to this. But the idea, because before the, the boomers were, were, were the generation, I, what was it called? The greatest generation? Is that what it was called? Those who went through World War II? 
Uh, and they went through incredible difficulty. And so they wanted, wanted uh, gr- greatness for their children here. They wanted an easier life for their children. And so uh, the reality of it is, is that the, for the baby boomers, a lot was, was handed to them compared to the, the last generation. And then even more so for Gen X, even more so for the millennials, and even more so now for Gen Z, right? It's, it's, it's incredible when you go and you look at that. But what we've gone and we've tried to eliminate this fact of life, that life is difficult. In fact, we like to go and say that the difficulty in life it's morally wrong when you come into difficulty. And so this is where we get this idea of people going and crying out, free stuff, give me handouts, free stuff, I need free stuff, please give me handouts. No, 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 it's okay. You're going to go through difficulty in life. We've done disservice to generations by not telling them this, this fact. And this is where we get all these complaints. This is what we see exactly happening with Israel. And why? Ultimately, it's because they have a lack of faith. They've taken their eyes off of God and they started looking at their earthly circumstances. And yes, it's difficult. Life is difficult. Their faith was placed in the difficult circumstances instead of in God. This is an interesting concept. They thought that their lack of food was greater than the provisions of God, right? Can't you see that there? They thought that their lack of food was greater than the provisions of God. How often do we come to a place like that where we actually root our faith in our circumstances as opposed to in God? Because when we're saying that something is going to overcome us, that something is going to overtake us, that something is is so great that we decide to complain out against it, what are we ultimately saying? We're saying that it is greater than what God can provide. That's what we're saying. And that's what Israel was saying here. They didn't believe in God's provisions. They believed in the overcoming strength of their lack, of their need, of their hunger. The one we believe is winning is the one we are placing our faith in at that time. We must recognize that God is greater than any difficulty than we are facing. We must remind ourselves of the character of God. You know, so many times we spend all of our time telling God how big and difficult our circumstances are, when in reality, sometimes we should spend some time telling our circumstances how big and how great our God is. But here we see Israel... They weren't praising God, they were complaining against God. And their complaints were actually against God. Uh, If a leader is following God, which Moses and Aaron were, then the complaints are against God and not the leader. That's the reality of it. And this is important for us to remember and, and to ground ourselves in this truth because it's also true on the other side that if a leader is in sin, then the complaints are legitimate. And this is why we appeal to God's word as our authority. He is our standard, and we must look to that standard of God's word. It is always a battle for people to recognize this. Often legitimate complaints are brushed off to the side, and often illegitimate complaints get heard. Why? Because God's way is often uncomfortable, and sin is often marketed well in our day and age. And so when people go and they make legitimate complaints, 
And they're complaining against sin and, and saying, hey, you're doing wrong. A lot of times it gets brushed off to the side, those legitimate complaints. Why? Because sin is marketed so well and it is so accepted by our society. But then a lot of times illegitimate complaints, those who when leaders are following God and doing what they ought to be doing, and people come up and they, they say, oh, I'm hungry. I wish I was back in Egypt. Those are the complaints that are often heard because God's way is not necessarily an easy way. Let, let, let me put it this way. Obedience is simple. Disobedience is always complicated, but that doesn't make obedience easy. And, and if you think about this here, and it's so funny, whenever people start talking about how complicated things are, the reality of it is, is that there's probably sin there. Because obedience is simple. Obedience is simple. I'll never forget, and during the lockdowns and the shutdowns and everything like that, and going and telling people, no, 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 you can't shut down the churches. You can't shut down the churches. And there would be all of this defense. All this defense would be, oh, you just don't understand. Look at this chart. Look at that chart. Look at this. And you got to take this into account. You got to take that into account. You got to go and do this and this and this. I go, boy, that sounds complicated. They said, yeah, see, it's complicated. I said, yeah, here's the problem. Obedience is simple. Obedience is simple. Look right here. This is what the Constitution says. Gee, that was simple. Follow it. They don't like that answer. Because that doesn't mean it's easy. Oh, you don't know who's going to complain against us. Well, they might. You're going to have complaints if you follow God, of course, because it's, it's often uncomfortable to follow God because God says the just walk by faith and not by sight. That means we have to trust him. That means we have to be dependent. It's much harder to be dependent than it is to be independent. But independence, autonomy from God always leaves you with knots on your heads, doesn't it? It's difficult. But I also want us to notice God's provision here. And let's look at verses 13 through 16 once again. And it says this. So it was that quails came up at evening and they covered the camp. And in the morning they uh, dew all around the camp. And the layer of dew was lifted and the surface of the wilderness was small round substance. As fine as frost on the ground. When the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? Manna, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat, and the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to one's need, one omer, each person according to the number of persons. Let every man take for those who are in his tent. God does provide here. And that's something for us to remember here. Something for us to recognize. And may we never forget this, that God is a provider. God is a provider, and God is our provider. How often we leave this truth away from our mind, that God is a provider. He is a provider. How often we just forget that, but he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provider. Take comfort in this and look to your God for provisions. In times of need, we must turn our eyes to God. A couple of my, my favorite sayings here. If it's his will, then it's his bill. Where he guides, he provides. We need to remember those things. But I want us to recognize a few things about his provision also. God provided, first of all, the right amount. The right amount. And this is something we often don't think of. We often want special provisions for our comfort. 
and to put our mind at ease. We want, we want to be able to go and be like the, 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 the foolish man who went and, and, and said, oh, he had all this, this harvest, right? The foolish farmer. And he goes and he tears down his, his barn and he builds up a bigger barn. And he says, oh, wow, you know, I'm going to rest easy. And then the Lord comes to me and says, you fool, I required your soul tonight. You know, we want to be that way. We want to go and tear down and have all this huge surplus and have all these great provisions and say, God, I want you to go and not just give me for today, but I want you to write a check for tomorrow and the next day 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 day after that. And and all these things. And by the way, I'm not saying we shouldn't be thinking about retirement. Those are good things to, to prepare for. Those are wise things, good stewardship and things like that. But oftentimes we look at God's provision and we want it to go further extended than what God wants, wants to give us. Because God's provision, first of all, he gives us the right amount, the amount that we need today so that we can still be dependent on him tomorrow. God's provision doesn't seek to put our mind at ease. It seeks to put our mind on him. And when our mind is on him and it's rested on him, then we can actually put our mind at ease. God wants us to be dependent on him. Remember the prayer, give us this day our daily bread. What kind of bread is it? Daily bread. Does it not have a greater impact when we put it in the context of the 40 years that Israel got daily bread from heaven called manna? Think about that. For 40 years as they're wandering in the wilderness, God provides what for them? Manna. Manna. Daily bread. Daily bread. And every day they were to go and to gather up as much as they needed, save the day before the Sabbath where they gathered two days' supply. But think about that. For 40 years, daily, they were dependent upon God. Sometimes after two days, we struggle to be dependent upon God. God is a God of daily provisions because he wants us to be daily dependent upon him. What is the position of prayer? The position of prayer is dependence. We need to be dependent upon God. You know, and this is one of the things here. It's not often you're going to hear me uh, complain about some of the things that made America great, right? You're not going to hear me complain about some of those things. But one of the things that I think that, that, that we've actually forgotten, because really what made America great was, what was, was when George Washington put up a flag that said an appeal to heaven. But, but soon what, what turned, into, uh, turned into an appeal to heaven and dependence upon God became American excellence and American independence. And the reality of it is, is that we, we teach and we've uh, bred this, and it, and it came through the, the, the great uh, success of America is where this came out from, this attitude of this American independence and that you shouldn't be dependent on anyone. You should just go and, and do it yourself. And, and it's a big self-dependent, autonomous idea that, hey, you go and be dependent on yourself. You go do it. Go and get her done, right? But let me tell you the Christian position, the Christian posture is upon our knees crying out to God, making an appeal to heaven, dependence on him, realizing he is the great provider. Because when we go out in our own strength, eventually God says, fine, have it your way, go out in your own strength, right? We go out in our own strength, what happens? We fall on our face because we need our God. He made us so that we are to be dependent upon him. 
It's part of the relationship that we're to have with God, why he created us. Even we think of Adam and Eve within the Garden of Eden, and he told them, you, you know, don't eat of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Does this mean that God didn't want them to know the difference between good and evil? No, he wanted them to know the difference between good and evil, but he wanted them to learn through obedience and through his teaching, not through disobedience and self-autonomy and self-morality as to what they chose. But God desired for them to be dependent, to be dependent, to have a daily dependent relationship upon him. And so we also ought to be dependent upon God. I also want us to notice here that the people, they struggled to see his provisions. What did they call it? They called it manna. What does manna mean? What is this or what is it? Often this is the struggle. God provides, but will we accept his provision? Will we accept his provision? We must seek to see his provision and to accept it. Often it is there, but we don't like it, so we don't take it. They ended up having to work for it. They had to get up in the morning because as soon as the sun came up bright enough, you know, they couldn't be sleeping until noon here. As soon as the sun came up enough, what would happen? It would melt away. So they had to get up early. They had to get up early. Then they had to go out and they had to gather the manna. And, and by the way, here, I, I think I got pictures of that. That's actually a pretty good picture. Most of the pictures, when you look up manna, and this is like the Sunday school pictures and things like that, you think of it, they're like picking out loaves of bread, okay? That's not what it was. It wasn't this loaves of bread. It, it was this kind of fine, flowery thing. So they had to get up early in the morning. They had to go gather it, which is work, by the way, right? They had to go and work for it. Then they had to actually make it into a bread. They actually had to go and cook this manna into a bread. Often we reject God's provision because it looks like hard work, right? That's the reality of it. Oftentimes we reject God's provisions because it means we have to get up in the morning, get on our feet, and go do something. And we say, oh, God, can't I just send my lazy boy and you bring me this provision? That's not how God wants it to be. In fact, even before sin, God tasked Adam with tending the garden. He created work and tasked Adam with work before sin came to this world. Sin, or excuse me, work is not sin. Work is not wrong. Work is not bad. Hard work is not wrong. It's right. And we ought to work. We ought to work. And most of the time, that's what God's provisions look like. And because we've become lazy in our culture, because we've become lazy in our attitude, because we've become lazy in our mindset, we reject God's provisions because they look like hard work. And often they are, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I want us to see, though, the test here, the test. And the test here, uh, he, he mentions it in verse 4. And then also we can see a little bit more of that test through verses 18 through 31. But in verse 4, here it says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather it, a certain quota every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And then verses 18 through 31, it says this, So when they measured it by the omers, they gathered much, and had nothing left over. And those who gathered little had no lack, and every man had gathered according to each one's need. 
And Moses said, let no one leave any of it till morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses. But when some of them left part of it till the morning, it bred worms and it stank. And Moses was angry with them. So they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need. And when the sun became hot, it melted. And so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. And he said unto them, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today and boil what you will boil and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. So they laid it up until morning as Moses commanded. And it did not stink, nor were there any worms in it. And Moses said, each, uh, excuse me, eat that today for today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today, you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it on the seventh day, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. And so it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you uh, the sixth day of bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. And <clears throat> the house of Israel called its name manna. And it was like white coriander seed. And the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. First of all, I want us to notice here about the test that God gave them. It was a daily test. It was a daily test. It was not a great task, but it was a daily test. It was a test of the mundane. You know, this is the reality of it. Most Christians fail here when God tests us daily, when he tests us in the mundane. The Christian life is a life of discipline. It's like a farmer. We must be patient. We must wait. We must wait and see what's going to happen. When there are no thrills and when there are no frills, will you follow God faithfully? Will you do it daily? God tests us, and this is often where you see Christians fail. It's in the daily tests of life. Mm -hmm. Will you be consistently faithful to God? You know, many people will go and say, I would die for Christ. I would take a bullet for Christ. If you put a gun to my head, I would not recant my faith. And then a little while later, you find out that this person has fallen into deep and great sin. Well, how did they get there? wasn't that they decided one day that they were going to go and, and, and sin as, as great as they could. And it's not that, that, that they sat up there and they had this, this great change of mind that now that they, that they hate God, it's they started failing the daily tests. It's that they weren't daily in God's word. It's that they weren't daily disciplined before God. The Christian life is a life of discipline. We must have discipline in our daily walk with God. Also, I want us to notice it was a test of the small things. And I want us to realize this, God tests us in the small things first. He tests us in the small things first. Before he gives us big responsibilities, he tests us with small things. If you want to do something great for God, ask him for small tasks and accomplish the small tasks. Because someday God will give you a bigger task. This is what Jesus says in Luke 16, 10. He who is faithful in what is least is, also, is faithful also in much. 
And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. If we're not going to follow God in the small things and the small tasks, do small things for God, we will never do big things for God. We'll never accomplish great things for God because God requires first that we're faithful in the small things. This is required. What you do in the small, what you do in small matters, it really does matter. This is what we are tested in daily. Small things done well will make big spiritual success. And this is where most people fail. This is where most people fail. You know, I'm ready to do something big for God. I want to do something great for God. What does God say? Okay. Read your Bible every day this week. Read your Bible every day this week. I got three out of the seven days. You're not ready to do something big for me yet, then. Pray every day this week. Pray every day this week. Share the gospel every day this week. Share the gospel every day this week. But Lord, I want to be used for a great revival. Share the gospel every day this week. Small things. Small things. Small things. I also want us to notice it was a test of dependence. Would they depend upon God daily? Would they depend upon God daily? We're tested in this too because Christ tells us to pray once again for our daily bread. Do we daily depend upon God? I know we've talked a lot about dependence today already, but but this is something that's important for us to recognize. It's something that, that we must drill in are we dependent upon God? You know, if we, if we go and we, we try to look over the horizons, the things that are coming in our nation and the things that are coming in this world, I can tell you that it doesn't seem like it's going to be comfortable for Christians. It doesn't seem like it's going to be easy to live out a Christian worldview. So it's important that today you start the discipline of daily depending upon God. Pray daily for your daily bread. Because someday it might be that you have to have a mark or a passport or some kind of a card to go that might violate your conscience to go and to buy bread. And you might be dependent upon, have to be dependent upon God. It wouldn't matter if you had a million dollars sitting in your bank if they don't let you go and access that million dollars and make a transaction at the marketplace, right? I don't know if that's coming or not. Well, I do know it is coming. I do know it is coming because God's word says it's coming, right? The mark of the beast, that that will eventually one day come. It seems as though the administration of the Antichrist will be here before the Antichrist. And so it seems as though we're going to be dealing with those kind of things. And it seems as though that, that these things are getting closer and closer. How can we survive if we're in the administration of the Antichrist before the Antichrist is here? Which is very possible, by the way. How do we survive? By being daily dependent upon God. But you know, it's going to be really hard that when you need to be daily dependent upon God, when all of a sudden it comes and it's here in our lap, it's going to be very hard if you haven't worked on that discipline. It's going to be much easier to be daily dependent upon government and make government your God as opposed to relying upon the God of the Bible. And that's why we must be disciplined and work on the discipline of dependency upon God today. It was also a test of listening. 
On Friday, the sixth day, they were to go and to gather twice as much. Fifth day, I guess. Yeah, no, sixth day. Yeah. They're going to gather twice as much on Friday. It seems silly or perhaps even strange to some of them. But I want us to recognize that God has a tendency to do this. Do we listen to God's commands? Do we listen to God's commands? Some of them seem strange and some of them seem like, why, why are we to do that, God? You know, that doesn't make any sense. You know, I think of one of them is, is the laying on of hands uh, for ordination uh, and, and for like the calling of pastors and different things like that. That's, that's something we practice. Well, why do we do that? Do we believe that, oh, we're, we're, we're wielding some magical, mystical power and we're, we're you know, the force instilling it on somebody? No, that, that, that's not what's happening, right? But, but why do we do that? We do that because we obey God. And this is what God said to do. It's, there's actual other reasons for it other, also. Uh, it's to show approval before God and man, right? There are actual reasons that we, we do this here. It is a sign. It is a symbolism, a sign of, uh, of showing on of acceptance and approval and things like that. But, but really, it's not really much of a cultural thing in our Western culture. It was more of a cultural thing in the Eastern culture or the Oriental culture as to what the early church was in. But why do we do it today? Even though it's not super part of our culture, it's because we're doing it to obey God. Although there are ancient, real, legitimate cultural reasons to do it too. Not saying that God is flippant and doesn't have reasons for what he commands. But even if we don't understand those reasons, even if they seem kind of strange or silly, we obey them because our goal is to obey God. What was God's reasoning here for them to collect twice as much on Friday? Well, pretty simple. It's because he wasn't going to give them any on Saturday, on the Sabbath, right? So gather twice as much so that you can go and rest upon the Sabbath. It's a test of listening. Question is, is do we listen to God's commands? The question is, are we, doing, are we committed to doing things God's way? Are we committed to doing things God's way? That's how we pass the test when we say, I'm committed to do things God's way. There's also a test of rest. And I want us to see this here. I believe this is the last thing that we're going to be looking at here this this morning is that it was a test of rest. In verses 29 through 31, verses 29 through 31, it says this, See, for the Lord has given to you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you on the sixth day the bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place and let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day and the house of Israel uh, called its name manna. And it was the white coriander seed and it tasted uh, of it was like wafer made with honey. Obedience and rest is difficult because you have to trust that the things will will get done with less time to do them. Ultimately, when we obey God in rest, we are trusting God knows best. And that's important for us to recognize as Christians. Because it's one thing that we don't like to think about. It's something that's hard for me. I don't, I, I don't like to rest. I, I like to, to work. I like to work a lot. And it's one of those things that I was really convicted about um, right at the beginning of 2020. One of my... Uh, 
New Year's resolutions was that I would take one day off a week because I, I don't like to take a day off, okay? I, I enjoy studying. I enjoy investing in people. I enjoy putting together outlines. I enjoy doing these kind of things. I enjoy preaching. And, and, and I mean, it, it's not just that, that I preach up here on, on Sunday. I mean, you should hear me on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday here, uh, up here. And, and Sarah knows every time I come home and she's like, oh, you've been preaching. And I go, how do you know? Because your voice is shot. Because sometimes I'll just preach for like six hours to nobody. Uh, and just, it's one of those things that it's just right there. And she's like, oh, I gotta preach this and it's great. So, so you know, sometimes you, you think that, man, your sermon was really long, Pastor. Man, you should have heard it on Monday. It was, it was like eight hours on Monday. I've been whittling it down throughout the week, okay? And sometimes I can only get it down to about four hours, and it's kind of rough, right? No. But I want us to realize here we do need to trust God in rest. We need to do that. We need to make sure we are taking time and taking time to rest in obedience to God. But, but I want us to note here what happened when the children of Israel failed these tests, because they did fail. First of all, they failed in their initial test of dependence, right? They, they failed, they complained, and they complained against God. And Moses points this out. Hey, hey, Israel, you are complaining not against us. Who are we? You're complaining against God. Which should have scared them after they've seen you know, what God just did to, to, to Pharaoh and all this other kind of things. All the plagues that they saw. But then I don't know if you noticed in our text here, there were two times also where they continued to fail. The first one was, I would say, kind of a fail of listening, but it's also a fail of dependence, of small things uh, and the like. God says, get just for what you need for the day. And some people got a little bit extra. And what happened? Worms and stinkiness, right? Can you imagine this? And it says, you know, Moses was angry with them. Moses gets up after the first day of manna, gets up ready to go gather some manna. And he goes, oh, what's, oh, I told you not to do that. Come on. It just, your tent is stinking. And you know, that's the reality of it. When we fail God's test, it makes our tent stink, Right? makes our testimony stink when we fail God's tests. We're not as effective for God as we ought to be. And it is frustrating when we see that. We should be frustrated with one another and there should be an accountability horizontally with one another to say, hey, quit stinking. Quit stinking in the Christian life. Let's go and let's go together and let's pass God's tests. You know, when we fail God's test of every day being in his word, our testimony stinks. Let me tell you, you can't pour out into other people's lives if it hasn't been poured in you yet. Mm -hmm. We're nothing more than empty vessels and every day we need to be filled. We need to be filled. Get in God's word. Be in God's word daily. But then the second test that they failed was that one of the Sabbath. Gather twice as much 
And can you imagine here, you know, you've, you, you've, maybe you were one of those people who you didn't listen. Some people are just extra hard-headed, right? They're not going to listen. You didn't listen the first time. You go, oh, no, I remember that smell. I'm not going to have that stink in my town. No way. Plus, my back's starting to get a little bit sore. I don't want to get the extra here today, so I'm just going to get the provision for today and tomorrow. I'll go pick up for tomorrow. And your buddies around here are looking and they're saying, no, no, hey, man, you should, come on, you, you need to listen, you need to listen. Oh, my God, man, you, you, you get that smell yourself. I'm, I'm going to go and do this. And it says, God was mad. And he goes and he asks Moses, how long will you not listen to my commands and my laws? But I wonder how, how often God says that about us in our life because we're not seeking to obey him but we ought to seek to obey him. And that means we need to listen. We need to listen carefully to God's word. That's why we need to be in God's word daily. How can you know how to obey God if you don't know what he's telling you to do? We need to be in God's word. We need to be in God's word consistently. But today I want to conclude. I want to conclude with a question. How are you doing in the daily small tests? How are you doing in the daily small tests? Are you complaining? Or are you seeking to pass these tests by submitting to God? Being a Christian is a daily battle. And daily battles are fought in the area of faithful discipline. Are we getting our manna every day? Are we trusting God's provisions? Or are we messing around and being found a complainer? That's the question. This is something we're going to spend some time on, I believe, here. Um, I'm not sure quite when. It might be next year, in, in 2022. But looking at, at, at disciplines, it's something I've just been really, really convicted about here and going and looking at it. It's, it's, it's just keep, keeping being brought up again and again and again. We must be disciplined in the Christian life. We live in an undisciplined culture. We live in a flippant culture. We live in a culture that makes uh, uncommon things common or holy things common. We, we, we live in a, in a culture that, that is just not known at all for, for discipline. I mean, it's, it, it, it's tough. Just tell anybody who has to go and, and work with, with younger the, the younger generations, right? And I, I hate to pick on the younger generations all the time, but they're the least disciplined. And, you know, it's, it's always the same story. They don't show up for work. They don't want to work. If they do show up for work, they don't do work. And it's, it, it's not that there are not jobs out there, but it's hard to find good help is what, what comes up, right? Time and time and time again. Well, where does that ultimately start? It ultimately starts in that area of discipline, in that area of discipline, but you know, the Christian life, it's not just the physical life of working, although that, that is something, I mean, go look, read Colossians 3, right? Whatever you do, do heartily as unto the Lord. It's not just in that idea of working hard physically, but spiritually, we need to be disciplined. And, and oftentimes, you know, because we, we've gone, and, and, and it's true, it is true. We live in a relationship with Jesus Christ, but we've emphasized the relationship with Jesus Christ so far that we've devalued the disciplines of, of the Christian life. And the problem is, is because we, we've, we've not only uh, devalued them, we've demonized the disciplines of the Christian life. We've said, hey, if you want to go and be disciplined in your Christian life, promote a disciplined Christian life, we demonize those people. 
But the reality of it is, is that we, we ought not do that. It, it is a discipline to be a Christian. Take up your cross and follow me. That's discipline right there. Die to yourself daily. That's discipline. We must live a disciplined Christian life. And it's more than just reading scripture, although that is a, a major part of it. It's more than just daily reading your Bible. It's more than just daily praying. But, but that, those, are, those are the foundations. If you don't have those two disciplines in the Christian life, I guarantee you don't have the rest. Those are the foundations of it. But I want to challenge us today by simply asking us two questions. One, how are we doing in the daily small tests? And two, in those daily small tests, are we trusting in God's provision or are you messing around and being found a complainer? Don't complain. Be disciplined in your spiritual walk. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we do just thank you for this day. And Father, we praise you uh, for this opportunity to look into your word. And Father, we know that what we went over today is not something that is super exciting. It's not something that, that will probably have anybody walk out of here with a spiritual high and walking on the moon and uh, anything like that. But Father, it is something that we, we need to hear. And that is that we are called to be disciplined before you. And Father, discipline may not bring a lot of thrills with it, but Father, it is what accomplishes greatness. And Lord, we would just pray that we might accomplish great things for you through your provision. But, Father, that it might be through those disciplines that you might work in our daily lives and that we might then bear daily fruit. Father, we think of the farmer who plants and he tills and he prepares and he waits. But, Father, at the appropriate time, there's a great harvest, but it's because he stayed faithful to the daily disciplines. And Lord, I pray that we might be the same. And Father, that we, may not, that we might not raise our complaints against you by looking at our earthly circumstances, but Father, that we look beyond and set our eyes upon you. May they be set upon you and may they be ever faithful to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.